Baseball isn't just numbers, numbers, numbers. This game is not being played on computers. You don't do that with a bunch of statistical gimmicks. You don't put a team together with a computer. We're talking weighted runs created plus. Expected Woba. His sweet spot rate. Defensive runs above average. Average exit velocity. Barrel rate. XFIP. BABIP. SIERA. We are above replacement radio. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. You'll notice this is Daniel's voice and not Chris's because unfortunately uh, Chris could not be here tonight. He was called into work, but the show must go on. It is the most important day of the offseason for Above Replacement Radio. My favorite, uh, definitely my favorite for sure. And I'm continuing on a tradition that we've been doing for a few years now where we live react to the Baseball Hall of Fame BBWAA uh, Hall of Fame ballot announcements. And this is a year that I've been looking forward to for, uh, I think, since we started really breaking down the Hall of Fame in 2021, because it's a big first-year class. We have potentially four Hall of Famers. We have five people at most leaving the ballot after this year. And I'll just take you through what my predictions are as of right now. It's 6 o'clock on the dot. Um, and... Uh, and uh, we're going to have Beltre in in a second. We're going to have possibly Todd Helton. We're going to have possibly Joe Maurer. We're going to have possibly uh, Billy Wagner, which is very exciting for me. Gary Sheffield is almost certainly going to be falling off the ballot. Uh, however, he is at, I believe, uh, 75 for 74% right now, uh, which does uh, help out with one of my Hall of Fame hot takes that he was going to be at 70 when the results were announced. He's actually at 75 on the dot, so... Um, Gary Sheffield, you know, he's, it's worth being considered, but I, I don't think the private vote's going to come for, come through for him. So, uh, jo, or, uh Adrian Belter is going to make it. He's going to be at probably 96 to 97%, I would say. Um, and Joe Maurer, it's so hard to predict because he's a first year candidate. You can't go off of previous, uh, years and how the private vote and the post-election public vote will treat him. Um... And I think he'll make it. I think he'll get like 80, maybe like a low, high 70s, low 80s percent ish. And then lastly, um, or not lastly, but uh, Todd Helton, I do think he gets in this year. He currently needs to get 67.4% uh, of the post-election vote, and he got 65% of it last year. So I think a 2% increase will not be a problem for him. And then lastly, Billy Wagner. I think it's going to be razor thin. I do think he's going to miss by a very small amount, though. He's at 78%. He needs 71.7% uh, of the post-election vote. He got 62% last year. And in this year, I just don't know if a 9% increase is possible. But uh, we've seen crazier things happen. So it'll be interesting. But, uh, yeah, so that's those are my predictions for now. Uh, I think a lot of this year kind of went sort of the way I envisioned. Um, weirdly enough, with Joe Maurer, I said last year when the election happened that he was going to get in or at least get 65% of the vote. And then I kind of backtracked off of that uh, at the beginning of this year. But uh, I was right originally. I mean, whether he gets in or not, he's going to, I think, surprise a lot of people with how he does this year. He's going to get at least 70% of the vote at the very least, but he should get in. He will pretty comfortably get in, most likely. Uh I think uh, Carlos Beltran is going to see a major gain. You know, he had 46.5% of the vote last year, and he's probably going to get to 60 this year. 
uh, or at least the high 50s. Andrew Jones is probably not going to gain a ton this year. He was kind of a victim of the crowded ballot this year. Uh, but I do hope that he gets, uh, you know, at the very least to 60%. He was at 58% last year, but I would, I would love to see him get to 63.2%. I know that's a very random, uh, obscure number, but that is what Scott Rowland got the year before he got elected. Uh, that's what he got in 2022. So, uh, it'll be, that will be big because next year, like I said, up to five people leaving the ballot and really only two strong first years in, uh, both, CC Zabathia and of course Ichiro Suzuki, both of which will probably be first ballot Hall of Famers, I would say. And uh, I mean, Ichiro is going to be Beltre level of of the vote. He's going to be uh, a no doubter. CC I think will be a little more interesting, but I do think he'll get in. So uh, big gains potentially next year for guys like Carlos Beltran, guys like Andrew Jones to maybe make a final push uh, to eventually get in. Um, I think Chase Utley is going to make big gains next year. I'll just tell you my predictions already, but uh, I guess uh, I guess we're just going to get to the results now. So I'm going to cut this here and pick it up when they announce the vote. All right, it is 6.14 p.m., uh, and uh, it looks like we're getting ready. ...by a very special guest for the big announcement. BK, take it away, bud. Greg, thank you so much. I'm here with Josh Rowich, the president of the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum. And Josh, I'll call it the ballot tracking era. It's only been a few years, but we've never had this kind of excitement where we have, you know, anywhere five to seven players hovering near the magic 75%. Yeah, I think that tells you what kind of ballot we have. I mean, it really is an incredible group of players and uh, obviously a lot of excitement, a lot of chatter over the last few months. And uh, it's a privilege just to be on the ballot and, and we're excited for tonight. Uh, and yet we don't know until right now. Josh, you have the honors taken. All right, here we go. Thank you, Brian. Well, on Who's joining of Jim Hall Leland? Chairman Jane Forbes Clark, our board of directors, and the entire staff here in Cooperstown, as well as Jack O'Connell of the Baseball Writers Association of America. It is my honor to announce the results of the 2024 BBWAA Hall of Fame election. I'd like to thank Mark Moran of Ernst & Young and Mike DeLisi for their assistance in tabulating the final results. And as always, we want to thank all of the writers for their participation. This year's ballot featured 26 candidates with 12 newcomers joining 14 holdovers from the 2023 ballot. In arriving at their individual decisions, the electors took into consideration the following voting criteria. The player's record, playing ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contribution to the team or teams for which they played. Tonight, we are pleased to announce the addition of several new members to the Hall Oh, come on. It can't lag right now. The player's record. <laughs> no way. Integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contribution to the team. All he said was several new members. That means three or more. Tonight, we are pleased to announce the addition of several new members to the Hall of Fame who will be inducted alongside Jim Leland at our induction ceremony on July 21st at the Clark Sports Center. <laughs> here in Cooperstown. Three or four. Our first electee was a superstar at the plate and in the field, playing 21 seasons for the Dodgers, Mariners... Adrian Beltre is a Hall of Famer. This was something we Today, knew was going to happen. Adrian Beltre becomes a member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. 
one of just 12 players in Major League history with 3,000 hits and 400 homers. A first ballot Hall of Famer with 90 career war. Uh, probably a top five player all time at the position. Adrian Beltre was the biggest slam dunk first year candidate we've had in a few years. He Dominican Republic native to reach the 3,000 hit mark. And when he retired, he had more hits than any player in Major League history born outside of the United States. A four-time All-Star and four-time Silver Slugger Award winner. He led the majors in homers in 2000. Elite defender. He won five Gold Glove Awards and two Platinum Glove Awards. Finishing in the top ten in his league's MVP voting in six different seasons. A beloved teammate and fan favorite, he reached the postseason five times, winning the 2011 American League pennant with the Texas Rangers. Adrian Beltre, our second member of the class of 2024, Played his entire career with one team, his hometown Minnesota Twins. Joe Mauer, another first-year Hall of Famer. During his 15-year career, he made six All-Star teams, winning five Silver Slugger awards and three Gold Gloves behind the plate. In 2006, he became the first catcher to win. So we have two first-year Hall of Famers. He would go on I think the last time that happened was 2019, off the top of my head. In 2009, he led the major leagues with a 365 batting average and a 444 on base percentage, and was the American League. So I'm assuming they're going to go Todd Helton next as well. Percentage, all en route to being named the AL's most valuable player. He topped AL catchers in fielding percentage three times and caught stealing percentage twice, ranking ninth all time with a 995 career fielding mark. On four different occasions, he helped his team to the postseason. And tonight, he becomes a member of the National Baseball Hall of Famer. Joe Mauer, Joe the Mauer, Hall of Famer. Welcome to Cooperstown. That's awesome. A first ballot Hall of Famer at that. And our third and final member... Okay, of it is only three. ...played his entire 17-year career... In Colorado. ...number 17 for the Colorado Rockies. So it's, it's Today, Beltre, it's Mauer, and it's Todd Helton. Uh, it's kind of exactly how I thought it would be. Unfortunately, it sounds like Billy Wagner just missed. Um, but Todd Helton... This one feels good because it's good to see a guy that you spend so much time campaigning for finally make it. You know, Todd Helton was one of the first uh, bubble cases that we did, Chris and I, in 2021. Uh, we knew back then that he was Hall of Fame worthy, and he made quite a remarkable climb over the years. You know, he just kept going and going and going uh, ever since Larry Walker got elected in 2020. I'm going to turn this off now, so I'm not talking over them, but... Uh, Todd Helton started, he's, I believe he debuted at 16.9% of the ballot in his first year. Uh, we got to get the full results. I'm sure Thibodeau is going to have them momentarily. Um, I'm very intrigued to see what they are, but yeah. Billy Wagner, oh, here we go. We got the results. I'll pause for a second. All right. Adrian Beltre gets in with 91, 95.1%. Uh, Todd Helton gets in at 90, or excuse me, at 79.7%. That is a 7% increase from the last year. Joe Maurer gets in at 76.1%. He made it by, I think, five votes in total. Billy Wagner, 284 votes. That's an estimated four votes he missed by 73.8%. That is brutal. That is devastating. Um, but he's going to get the 10th year boost next year. Gary Sheffield finishes his last year at 63.9%. Uh, unfortunately, he's going to fall off the ballot after this year. Andrew Jones gets 61.6%. I like that a lot for him. I think that's going to be 
uh, a good place to maybe make a jump for 75 Jump to 75 from next year. Andrew Jones finishing at 61.6%. Carlos Beltran finishing at 57.1%. Uh, a pretty steep drop-off from the uh, pre-election vote to the post-election vote. But nonetheless, that is an 11% gain, or a 10.5% gain. And that is also uh, the most of uh, the highest gain of any returning candidate, I am going to go ahead and assume, because Gary Sheffield only went up by 8. 9%, I believe. Alex Rodriguez, 34.8%. Manny Ramirez, 32.5%. Chase Utley, oh, that is a disappointing debut, 28.8%. So the post-election vote must have really disliked Chase Utley because he was around, uh, or what was he at? He was at 39.4%. So that is over 10% decrease. Uh, wow. But nonetheless, still not a bad debut on a stacked ballot like this one. Uh, he's going to gain a lot of votes next year. I, I feel pretty confident. Omar Vizquel, 17.7. Bobby Abreu, 14.8. That is a slight drop. Jimmy Rollins, 14.8. Andy Pettit, 13.5. Mark Burley, 8.3. Francisco Rodriguez, 7.8. That's a 3% drop for him. Torrey Hunter gets 7.3%. He does stay on the ballot. My One of my hot takes is that he was going to fall off. And David Wright is going to stay on the ballot at... Uh, at 6.2%. He got four votes over uh, the necessary amounts. The only guys that didn't get a single vote were Jose Reyes and James Shields. Everyone else got at least one. Matt Holliday got four. That's 1%. Unfortunately, that's not going to be enough to keep him on. Uh, that's a really tough one and done for him. Billy Wagner. Oh, man, that is, that is devastating. He missed by four votes, I think, if I have it correct. Yeah, four votes. Um... Yeah, he got 73.8%. Anyway, going back uh, into Todd Helton, he debuted, I believe, at 16.9%, uh, and he kind of just kept climbing and climbing from there. And, uh, you know, this is really the only, like, sort of rags-to-riches type of Hall of Fame case we have this year because the other two were first ballot. But nonetheless, uh, ever after Larry Walker got in and that, you know, that glass ceiling of course Field players was lifted, uh, it was... The sky was a limit for Todd Helton, and he got in in his sixth year on the ballot. Uh, again, almost 80% of the vote when he eventually got in. Uh, so that is a very strong and, and very uh, good Hall of Fame uh, performance from him. Six, year six, and he gets in. Um, so I'll, I'll start this by just talking about Adrian Beltre, right? Because he was the clearest case on this ballot. He gets 91 95.1% of the vote. Um, when I was growing up, my introduction was to Adrian Beltre was when he was on the Red Sox. And he was the best player on the Red Sox that year. And they let him go. They let him walk in for agency, which to 10-year-old me just didn't feel right. I didn't really understand the uh, the whole concept. Billy, Billy Wagner fell five votes short. Yeah, that is, that's tough. Um Anyway, going back to Adrian Beltre, it never made sense to me why the Red Sox let him go, uh, and he went out, went out and proved it with the Rangers. The fact that he is presumably going into the Hall of Fame with the Rangers, considering he played uh, the back half of his career there, and he also had you know clear Hall of Fame seasons in both L.A. and Seattle, is kind of wild to me. I mean, he played his best years uh, in, in many respect were in Texas from age 32 to age 39. Uh, he, it felt like he just never stopped, uh, performing, you know, he put up a, 
an OPS plus of at least uh, 125 in uh, six of his eight seasons in Texas. And his last season in 2018, he only had a 99 OPS plus. You know, his his drop off wasn't even that severe. He was also one of the best defenders ever at the position. 27 career D-War. Uh, obviously contributes to his 93.5 career total. Wins above replacement. So, um, you know, it is it is uh, pretty remarkable how much he just kept going. You know, it felt like age just wasn't uh, a thing for him. He, he was playing like he was 25 years old for uh, the better part of 20 years. Uh, all of those years with the Rangers. Um, so, you know, he was... You know, he was such a tremendous third baseman. And, I mean, you know, like I mentioned, he had Hall of Fame caliber seasons in L.A. Uh, you know, he had a 163 OPS plus and finished second in the MVP voting in 2004 to only Barry Bonds um, in the greatest year ever played. He was a great defender. He was a great hitter. Um, and, yeah, the clearest Hall of Fame case there was, 95% even feels kind of low, to be honest. But... Uh, the yeah, I guess the post-election vote wasn't a huge fan, I guess. But uh, Todd Helton, 79.7%. He is the single most important and the single best player in the history of the Colorado Rockies. And I know that comes with a caveat because the Rockies only existed for a little over 30 years now. But, uh, you know, that means something. He stayed there his entire career. He was a Hall of Fame caliber hitter. I mean, no doubt about it. A 953 OPS, plus, 953 OPS, a 133 OPS plus. Cores or not, you know, a 133 OPS plus is a Hall of Famer in almost 10,000 career plate appearances. Um, you know, I was uh, I was getting into baseball at the very tail end of his career, uh, so I didn't get uh, too much uh, of him to watch. But you know, looking back, he was just such a remarkable hitter, especially in the early 2000s. You know, from uh, 2000 to 2004, uh, he had a 148 OPS plus at least every season, and he had a 160 OPS plus in the other four. So, um, and that's OPS plus, which accounts for the fact that he played in Coors Field for all those years. Um, you know, he's a guy that means so much to Colorado. He was there in their champion, or their, uh, not their championship season, their pennant season in 2007. Um and it's, it feels good to see a climb like this, you know? I mean, it feels good to see uh, for guys that like Chase Utley that just debuted at 28%. You know, Todd Helton, who's a Hall of Famer, debuted at 16%. So, uh, you know, it feels good to see that someone can rise from 16 to 75 to 79 even in just six years. Um, you know, that's, a, that, that's kind of a sign, I think, that the writers are getting better at this. I know that a lot of people love to... Uh, you know, say mean things about the BBWAA during uh, November through January, and understandably so, but I think it's very necessary to understand that they are doing a much better job at this, because the fact of the matter is, 16 to 79 was not usually a thing, especially in a six-year period. That was like a 10-year thing uh, in previous years, so to see Todd Helton make that rise... Uh, and, you know, to just keep climbing year after year after year since 2021, uh, it's indicative of the fact that people are getting smarter. Um, one thing that I'd like to note, Todd Helton presumably only got in by uh, a handful of votes. Uh, the first-year voters dominate 
this ballot every single year. They did a you know they single handedly got Scott Rowland in last year. They're good, you know they played a large role in getting Todd Helton in this year because he had I believe 12 out of 13 first year votes, and that you know conglomerate is going to only make up more and more of the voter base as these years go on. So. You know, I think there's a lot of good progress to be made in the BBWAA. You know, they do a good job with the uh, the younger voters, you know, who are more open to a big haul. And, uh, you know, I think that's a large part of the reason why Todd Helton got here, all the first-year votes over the years. Uh, so Todd Helton is a Hall of Famer. Very happy for him. Very, very happy for him. Um, and then lastly, Joe Maurer, a first-year first candidate. Um, he definitely... I, you know, I think his first-year candidacy surprised a lot of people, but he kind of confirms my belief that the BBWAA loves voting for catchers. They absolutely love to vote for catchers. They voted for Mike Piazza in his fourth year on a loaded ballot with PED suspensions. They voted for Pudge Rodriguez over uh, Vladimir Guerrero in both of their first years. And they voted for Joe Maurer in his first year, despite him only being a catcher for half of his career. So, uh, you know, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, again, a guy that meant so much to his team. You know, he's a native of Minnesota. Um, he played for the Twins his entire career. And it just, you know, he's one of those guys where, like, it doesn't feel right to imagine him on another team. Um, you know, like I said, the hometown guy. He was in his prime. There was a very brief period where Joe Maurer was, like, the catcher equivalent of Tony Gwynn. You know, he won three batting titles. He didn't strike out. He was one of the best pure hitters in the league, uh, for people that like to use that sort of terminology. But his 2009 season... Uh, is among the best offensive seasons ever put up by a catcher. Uh, he hit like 365, I think it was, um, and had an OPS over 1,000. Yeah, 365, we were a 1031 OPS, a 171 OPS plus, and 606 plate appearances in 2009. Yeah, guy who won an MVP. Um, and it again, it just feels good to see him uh, make it into the first year. Um, like I said, the BBWA loves catchers and they're proving it again here with Joe Mauer. So um, I'd like to now talk about next year's ballot because we have two very good first years. I think there's going to be at least, uh, you know, ideally three guys that make it next year between uh, Ichiro, who is going to be a an easy first year candidate, CeCe Sabathia, who I think will take kind of the Joe Mauer role of being like a, a sneaky first year candidate. And then Billy Wagner was only five votes short. So uh, you know, I do believe he'll get the 10th year push um, because more, you know, people, you know, the writers love getting, giving people a big push in their 10th year. Uh, they give they did it to Larry Walker. They got him from 54% in, in 2018 or 2019 to 76% in 2020. They give it to Edgar Martinez. They gave it to Fred McGriff, even if he wasn't going to get in. They gave it to uh, Jeff Kent last year. They gave it to Gary Sheffield last year. Sheffield had the second highest year-to-year -year gain of any returning candidate. So, um, so yeah, that's... Uh, so they're going to give him the push. And more importantly, I think very few writers, if any, are going to drop him. You know, Billy Wagner had three uh, pre-election writers drop him from their ballots this year. That's uh, that's the kind of difference that a single vote makes, right? And 10th-year uh, candidates usually don't have guys drop them. Gary Sheffield, I don't think, had a single drop this year, um, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Gary Sheffield had zero drops pre-election this year. Um, Jeff Kent had very few last year. 
Um, I know that Larry Walker had exactly one, and it was Peter Gammons. Edgar Martinez had very few. Fred McGriff had very few. Uh, so drops are ideally not a thing that people need to worry about in their 10th year when they're, when they're that close. Uh, so Billy Wagner, very, really wish he could have made it this year, but I am not worried at all about his case for next year. Um, and you also have some interesting cases like Dustin Pedroia, you have Felix Hernandez, you have Ian Kinsler, um, and additionally, you're going to have some cases, uh, from guys like, uh, from guys like... Brian McCann, Russell Martin, some, you know, F4 compilers because of defense at the catcher position. You might get some Sabre votes out of them. Uh, but overall, I think next year is going to be a fun year. And this year, uh, absolutely delivered. I mean, you know, I was very excited for this year for a long time. And I think uh, it was for very good reason. So I think that's all I have to say. Um, this was a nice half episode. Uh 25 minutes by myself you know if i'm gonna do that this is the topic for me to do it for so if you've made it this far thank you for listening uh and we will see you later this week this conversation this conversation is over is over <laughs>